want you to turn with me to Ezra chapter 3. My dad used to say, the Holy Ghost can do in 30 seconds what we can't do in hours and hours of preaching. Do you know God's so faithful? He's so faithful. You know, I just, I, I just reminded, you know, one time the Lord, I was going through a real valley, going through a real time, and I just said, Lord, I just, I just want you to touch me. You know, in my spirit, you know, I stand up here behind the pulpit and I preach and I sing. And I, you know, give of myself and I watch people be blessed and I love to see that. It's a joy to my heart to see people be blessed and it brings joy and satisfaction in my heart and my spirit because I know that God is doing a work. But sometimes you just feel like, you know, Lord, I give and I give and I give and, you know, I need a little something too. Amen. I need a touch from God too. And one time... I was standing, it was when the church was going this way, amen. And uh, I remember the, the Spirit of God hit me. I mean, he hit me like lightning. And uh, I, I just put down my guitar and ran around the building and shouted in the front right here for, I don't know, probably 10 minutes. I thought, whatever. They'll just have to, I, I said, Lord, I always play and they shout. Now, I'm telling you, they're going to they're gonna watch me shout, amen. And so I just shouted and praised the Lord and this morning, the Lord reminded me of that the Spirit of God hit me, amen. And you know He hits me. Whenever He hits me, I can't sing, amen. I'm just praising Him. I'm just crying. I'm just worshiping Him. God's faithful, amen. He knows how to touch His ministers. He knows how to touch us when we need Him the most. Hey, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I, I just, uh, last night as I was praying, God specifically just kind of gave me this scripture, and I went here and and uh, I don't know if I've even preached this before. I may have. And if I did and I forgot, you probably forgot too. Amen. But I want to read a few verses here in Ezra chapter 3, verse 1. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to bless this message and bless this time in the Word. And I pray for the anointing that will lift up the body of Christ and encourage them. And Lord, that we'll leave here in a shout of praise. Lord, that we will leave here in a shout of praise. And Lord, that um, you will touch our lives and encourage us because we all need that this morning. And uh, I just ask you to, to bless it. Encourage, challenge, exhort. Teach us, Lord. Speak to us. Give us a hope, Father. And we thank you for it as you bring the anointing in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Ezra 3, it says, And when the seventh month was come, and the children of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered themselves together as one man. Remember that, as one man to Jerusalem. Then stood up Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and his brethren, the priest, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and his brethren, and builded the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings thereon, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. And they set the altar upon his bases. What were the bases? Where it was originally placed in Solomon's temple. For fear was upon them because of the people of those countries. And they offered burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord. Even burnt offerings morning and evening. How many knows we need the morning and the evening sacrifice? Hallelujah. They kept also... Uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, as it is written, and offered the daily burnt offerings by number according to the custom as the duty of every day required, and afterward offered the continual burnt offering both of the new moons and all the set feasts of the Lord that were consecrated and of everyone that willingly offered a free will offering unto the Lord. That's something that you give. That's something that you desire to give. That's something that you give and you determine the increment. Okay? That's praise, worship, giving of finance. The free will offering that we give unto the Lord is something that we bring to Him that we determine that sacrifice. Okay? 
And it says, From the first day of the seventh month began they to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord, but the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. They gave money also unto the masons, the carpenters, the meat, and meat and drink and oil unto them of Zidon and to them of Tyre to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the sea of Joppa according to the grant that they had of Cyrus king of Persia. Now in the second year of their coming unto the house of God at Jerusalem in the second month began Zerubbabel the son of Sheatiel and Jeshua the son of Josedek and the remnant of their brethren, the priests and the Levites and all they that were come out of the captivity unto Jerusalem and appointed the Levites from 20 years old and upward to set forward the work of the house of the Lord. Then stood Jeshua with his sons and his brethren, Cadmiel and his sons, the sons of Judah, together to set forward the workmen in the house of God, the sons of Hinnadad, with their sons and their brethren, the Levites. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priest in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. For those that are of denominations that say we shouldn't have musical instruments, they need to read the Bible. Okay? I don't think people should use their talents to be entertaining. But I can tell you, he will use instruments through men and women. Use instruments to bring glory unto him. And they sang together by a course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord, God, the Lord, because he is good for his mercy endureth forever towards Israel and all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Now I'm preaching for just a little bit here. And I asked God to give me a message that would minister to everyone. A broad brush that he would just minister to wherever each and every person is at. Because everybody's at a different place in this house. We've got seasoned saints. We've got new babies in Christ. We've got people that, uh, you know don't know a whole lot about what's going on in their spiritual life. And then we've got folks that are mature in the walk of faith in Christ. And, um, and they've got some experience and they understand a little more. So God just spoke to me and he said, I want you to just, oh, I asked him. I said, Lord, you've got to give me something that will, that will minister to everyone wherever they're at. And he said, I'm going to. Now our text, and he did, our text in context is the account of the exiles rebuilding Jerusalem after the 70-year captivity in Babylon. That is a huge chunk of the Old Testament, especially with the minor prophets. It encompasses so many people, and there's so much there. So it's worthy and important to know this particular uh, dispensation or dispensing of time uh, in the Old Testament concerning God restoring the children of Israel back to their land. And I'm going to tell you why it's so important. God revealed to me it is very much a type or likened to us falling from the glory in the garden. Because did not the Bible say that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory? And what does God want to do? But He wants to restore us back to that glorious place. He wants us to uh, understand that. For Solomon's temple was glorious and there was a Shekinah glory in that temple. Uh, it was the first temple that was built and God allowed its destruction because of the sin of Israel. But he also brought again its restoration. And so as we are born again believers, the Bible says we are built up a spiritual house. That's what Peter said. We're living stones or lively stones and built up a spiritual house. He said, you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you would show forth the praises of the Lord that's brought you out of darkness into His glorious light. Amen. So Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 3.16 that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So it doesn't, uh, it doesn't seem unusual or off that God would correlate us being the temple of the Holy Ghost and the Old Testament temple being restored. God wants to restore our lives. Amen. He wants us to walk in His presence and the glory of God to rest upon us and within us. And so we were redeemed to bring glory to God. Amen? 
We were redeemed to restore worship unto God. We are the building of God, the Bible says. And the purpose of this message is very broad in its reach. It, you know, it speaks to wherever you are at, for it ministers to those who need to rededicate their lives, and it ministers to those of us who may be frustrated in our walk, in our relationship, in the season we're in, in our walk with God, and, and, and not understanding God's slow, gracious building process of spiritual lives, because He builds us slowly and graciously. I'm not the only one that's ever been frustrated in my walk with God wanting it to be finished, but we got to understand it's a work in progress. And all things are working together. God is working. Remember that. God is working. Hopefully it will help us and encourage us where we are at right now in our lives because just this last week I was ministering to, uh, I believe... Uh, one or two different people about where they're at in their walk with God. And I know that the Lord wants to encourage us right where we're at. I want you to hear me today. If we are to see the temple of God built, which is our lives, the first thing that we're going to have to do and realize, and I'm going right back to this scripture, is the very first verse, the very first thing that has to happen is we have to be unified with God. Now, you got to understand the building of God isn't just us, but it's us in this body. It's a global body, okay? Um, but the first thing that we read here in them restoring or seeing the, the, the temple restored, the first thing that happened is God gathered them all as one man, or they gathered as one man. Church, I cannot put a greater emphasis on anything more a greater than unity in your life. Unity with God. Unity in the body. It has to be there. And I want you to get that in your spirit. I was just talking to Danny yesterday and he said, I've come to the place and I'm not, I'm not arrived. But, but, but he made a statement to me and it really blessed me. He said, we have to come to the place that no matter what anybody does to us, says to us, how they treat us or whatever, we cannot let that linger for one second. It's going to happen. There's going to be those that are going to offend us and there's going to be those that we're going to offend, but we have to understand that if we're going to see God pour out His Spirit, we need to be unified, we need to forgive, and we need to stop offending. We're always preaching, don't don't uh, harbor bitterness and unforgiveness. Well, guess what? The same applies to the people that offend. You are responsible to be unified also. It's not just for somebody to hear, get over it. Well, you know what? You need to stop doing it. That's all I'm going to say. A house divided cannot stand. Peter said husbands and wives must be unified in 1 Peter 3, 7 or your prayers are hindered. So carry it over into your marriage. There has to be unity in that marriage. And you say, well, you know, my husband's not, or my wife's not serving God. Well, you need to be unified with God. And, and, and God's going to honor your life and where you're walking with Him. A house divided cannot stand. Every time there's unity, God always commanded the blessing. When they were in unity, walking around the walls of Jericho, they fell. I never thought about that till this morning. God reminded me of that. He said, I told them to walk around those walls, don't say a word, and on that seventh day, begin to blow, begin to shout, begin to watch those walls begin to fall. So every time there's unity, God always moves powerfully and commands a blessing the walls of Jericho when David fetched the ark uh, and he brought the ark back he brought it back and the first time when it started to come back they weren't unified he had to go back to the word of God but he said we're going to do it right this time and so he got the right Levite priest he got the right people that were bringing it back it was brought back with sacrifice and God honored and blessed it because they were unified as one man 
again. On the day of Pentecost, they were in one mind and God commanded the blessing that day and poured it out upon all that were in that upper room in one mind. If you're single, you still got to be one with Jesus and submitted and in the body. We have to be. We have to be. You know, your pastor has wept and cried and prayed and pled with God for people in the body to be unified and get over things in this church for years. Because just as soon as we seem to get a victory in an area, something else pops up. You have to know, I'm not going to let the devil destroy my church. When I say my church, our church. Because... This is not my church. It's your church too. It's your church. You are the church. You are the church. You are all the church. People say, well, you know, your church, Pastor, it's not my church. It's his church, but you and I are the church. The moment you start looking at the church as an entity that is separate from you, you're already on your way to division. We are part of the church. We are the church. And we're responsible to take care of the body of Christ. To discern it. If I mash my thumb, the rest of my body doesn't go, eh You know what it does? It goes, oh. I clock my head and I go, this hand goes, oh, touch the place that hurts. This body says, sit down. Just sit down for a second. And the tears begin to say, we're going to have compassion on that pain that you're feeling. This body responds. It responds to what is hurting and what has been afflicted. There has to be unity. If we're going to see God move and rebuild His temple in us and in this place like we want. Like we see. Listen. Hopefully, this will help us. I always look at Israel's release or deliverance from captivity just like my own. God delivered me from great, great abuse, perversion. Whenever I got born again, He saved me. He delivered me. He set me free. We go through things as children and we're molested and we're abused and we're violated and then we carry that on into our life. And let me share with you, until Jesus comes and He sets you free, you'll walk in that and you'll be deformed, but God knows how to reach in, to touch you, deliver you, and heal you. Amen. So I always look at Israel's release or deliverance from captivity just like my own freedom. I'm free because God set me free. He set them free from bondage out of Babylon. He allowed them because of the decisions that they made to go into captivity. He allowed it. All God has to do is take His hand off of your life. Are you hearing me? And you'll go and you'll do your own thing. But whenever you come under the umbrella of the blood, I can tell you, He restores you. He sets you free. And so He brought them back into restoration, into that place, into that city of Jerusalem, into their purpose, and into what God called them to. And not to be a nomad or have no identity in Christ, but to be identified in Christ. The first order of business that he set up with them was an altar. He said there has to be an altar restored. If we're going to see the glory of God one more time, first thing has to happen is we have to be one man unified. We have to come back to the altar. It's very important. Did you read all of those sacrifices that they made? He, they set the altar upon its original basis. Nothing's ever changed. We still have to come back to the altar. We still come back to the cross. The altar represents the cross. 
what Jesus did. Amen. That's what it represents. Now we know we don't offer burnt sacrifices today, but we do offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Has God called me to be holy? Yes. Has He called me to live as a living sacrifice? Yes. And we got to know that today. In verses 3 through 7, He speaks of numerous sacrifices, ceremonial ordinances, all types of worship unto God. And if we are to see an established life in Christ or a rededicated one, the altar must be restored first. Has to be. Has to be. If there's a letdown in your life, it's because you, you left the altar. You left the altar. Every time, 100%, it never changes. Anytime that I find myself at a place I shouldn't be. When I say a place, I don't mean going someplace I shouldn't be. What I mean is spiritually not where I'm supposed to be. God always says trace it all the way back to the altar you neglected. You quit praying, you'll die. You quit breathing, you'll die. You know, we sing, this is the air I breathe. But on Monday morning, you're holding your breath. What's that supposed to mean? You didn't pray. You didn't come to get your breath from God, your life from God. You're saying, I'm breathing my own air. No, you're dying is what you're doing. You stand there long enough, you'll become purple and blue and die. If he's the air you breathe, then you got to give him that time and let him breathe life into you. Because that's the only life you're going to get is from him. He breathes into us and makes us a living soul and gives us life. So if we're to see an established life in Christ or a rededicated one, the altar must be restored first. That is our foundation. Notice, they had to be unified. They had to restore the altar before they ever started building the literal foundation. Church, now get this because there's some people that are here right now. Okay? That is our foundation. What? The altar. The unity with God. Okay? One with God. That is our foundation. We see things in our life that we become, but those, but that's not where the foundation started. The foundation started in prayer. It started in an altar. They feared, the Bible says in chapter 3, verse um, 3, the Bible says, and they set the altar upon his basis for fear was upon them, because of the people of those countries. Now get ready. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something I believe is very profound. They feared because they had no walls around the city. Okay? But when they had walls and money and they were established nation, they forgot God. And guess what those walls did for them? Nothing. Those walls did nothing for them because Babylon besieged them and took them captive. But here they are and they're restoring the altar, restoring the sacrifices, but they're kind of afraid because of the people around them that didn't like the fact that God was restoring Jerusalem. Well, guess what, honey? It doesn't matter what somebody else thinks. God's doing a work in you. And you don't have to worry about what everybody else thinks about your relationship with God. I had people that didn't like the fact that I got saved. They're like, you know, you, you, you got saved and you become this totally different person. I said, yeah, I hope so. Because the person I was before I didn't like and nobody else did either. But they were in fear. But what they didn't realize is in their greatest place of weakness was their greatest place of strength. And their greatest place of weakness or vulnerability. There's no walls around us. Yeah, but you got God and you got an altar. So you don't need anything. He will fight. Are you hearing me? He will fight your battles for you. 
He's going to fight your battles for you. My God in heaven. So they had God surrounding them like a wall of fire or a ring of fire or a hedge. And when you got God as your hedge, you ain't got nothing to worry about. Amen. You see, when they had walls but not in obedience to God, Babylon invaded them. So the Bible says in Psalms 20 verse 7, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. (laughs) I don't have to worry about anything. God's going to take care of me because I've got an established altar and He's put a hedge of protection around about us. God is bringing us all back to total trust in Himself for everything. Because church, there is going to come a point in time when we're going to have to believe God for everything. We're not there yet. You're hearing me. We're not, we trust in our paycheck. We trust in the, the, the equity in our home. We trust in our bank account or our credit limit or who we can borrow money from. We trust in our health. We trust in what we can do, our talents, our ingenuity, who we are. But I'm going to tell you, it's going to come down where you're only going to be able to trust in God for whatever you need and he's worthy of trust you can depend upon him when we started this church you know I just said I'll just go in here we'll just have church amen I just loved God I had an altar it was established God called me we started the church and about three weeks in we got a notice You're in the building. You don't have a permit. You can't stay there in that condition. You have to get a conditional use permit. And I thought, who turned me in? Well, I know who turned me in. And God said, keep your heart pure. And stand back and see the salvation of the Lord. And I remember Chuck Cook came in with me. And I told him, I was wringing my hands. I said, You know, I was high on faith. We started a church. We finally got our own building. We're not renting from another church. We got our own place. You know, there's just something awesome about that. Amen. You know, it's 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 we're renting it, but it's ours. It's our pad. Amen. It's our place. It's ours. It's our little patch of real estate that we can be free to come and go and do whatever we wanted to do in this house. And so, uh, you know, glorifying God. And I had that in my heart. But as soon as they came and brought me that, I mean, all the wind went out of my sail. I was like deflated. And I remember telling Chuck Cook, I said, I don't know what they're going to ask if they're going to tell us we have to stop. I don't know, but I'm just troubled. He said, let me tell you something, Pastor. He said, we're going to go down there to that city. And he said, they're going to ask for a lot of things, but guess what? He said, I've been around this mountain many times, and they ain't going to get everything they want. And I thought, wow. I'm going to stand behind him. He said, I've wrangled with that city many times. He said, let's go. We went down there, and we just kind of walked in there. And an old feller came up to the, the, the counter. He knew him. I thought, God knows how to. God, well, how are you doing, Ray Ramson? Oh, I'm doing good. How are you, Chuck Cook? I'm just standing there, and I thought, you know these people? He said, we're trying to get this church established down here. And he just, you know, I'm just a young 29-year-old kid. Didn't know nothing about nothing. And he's down there and he said, this is what we're going to do. And old Ray Ramson just began to make circles on a paper. I just watched him. I thought, what is he doing? And he said, you need to do this and you need to do this and then you'll get your permit. He said, the problem is, he said, the church in front uh, is going through their process too. And he said, so that was the conflict and that's how we found out about you. The Lord said, when you make an altar, you don't have to worry about being protected with walls. And he said, but you know what we're going to do? He said, you two churches are going to go in this together. And he said, not only am I going to help you out with that, he said, I'm going to help you out. You're going to split the fees. You're going to split this and you're going to split that and all of these things. And I'm just standing there and we walked out of there and Chuck Cook said, I told you. They ain't going to get everything they want. He said, God loves you, Pastor Jonathan, and he loves that church. He started that church. 
I rededicated my life in that church. And he said, I'm going to tell you right now, God has a great and bright future for you and this church and this city down the road years to come. And he said, you watch. And we got our permit, amen? And guess what else we got? I give God all the glory. All the glory. I don't want to be conceited or cocky or nothing. I'm just telling you right now, I give God all the glory. Amen. He said, I build, I pull down, I am God. You understand? I'll build you up. You'll have houses you didn't build. You'll have vineyards you didn't plant. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? He's so awesome. He said, don't trust in chariots. Don't trust in horses. Trust in the name of the Lord your God. When I was in Nigeria, I got to share this. I was always had two armed guards around me 24-7. And one morning they decided, well, he's in the hotel and they were waiting for me to come down. So those two armed guards took off, which was against their post and their orders. But they took off to go get a Nigerian breakfast. And uh, so me and old Ugo Crown were in the van sitting there. And we were parked about from here to the, to the first row of cars in the parking lot out there. And uh, no tinted windows on that van. So here's an African man and the whitest guy they'd ever seen in their life. And I'm sitting there. And we were right next to a biker bar in Nigeria, okay? A biker bar. And I thought, Lord, there's 50 bikes outside. And more like a moped, but still. They're parked out there. And I thought, Lord, here we are. And I kept turning around. And first one guy came out and he looked. And next thing you know, he went in and five people came out. And they're looking down there at that van with that white guy sitting in there. And next thing you know, about five or six, eight others come out. They're looking. And I thought, Lord. They're going to come over here, all 50 of them, and they're going to pick up this van. They're going to abduct me in the van. Amen. <laughs> they're going to take me in the van. And I'm sitting there, and brother, Pastor Ugo goes, Brother Jonathan, he said, just relax. He said, God's got this. I said, Brother, no armed guards, me and you locked in this van, and 50 bikers down there in that bar. And I said, you know, this is the thing. I know I don't look easily abductable. But I'm sitting here wondering where my bodyguards are. Amen. And he said, they will return. They did return, and we left. God covered me, and he protected us. The Lord said, I am a ring of fire. You'll be all right. Amen. I think if we'd have been there any longer, who knows what might have happened. But I know this much, God's an on-time God. And my, 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 my bodyguards showed up, and I told them, I said, you guys want to get paid? I said, don't ever leave my side again. You understand? Amen. Because uh, if you haven't noticed, I don't exactly blend here, you know. And uh, I, I, I thought I saw another. We went to Nigeria. And I know I'm getting off here, but I'm just going to share this. We went to Nigeria, and I, I don't know if it was Mike or Will. I think it was Mike that said to me, Mike, he said, uh, you know, Pastor, where, where, where are the white people here? I said, we are the white people. You understand? There are no other white people. We are where we're at. I didn't see another white person. And I said, we are the Caucasians right here. Amen. And I'm so grateful for God's protection in a place that's foreign to you and where there's people that want to do you harm, but God has you covered and protected and there's nothing that will come against you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. So going back to this, Israel had God's protection because he had their hearts. Thank God for a renewed vision. You fairly new Christians and believers, don't get frustrated or troubled about what you do not see. God is building you. You're in foundation mode. 
And I want you to remember this. They operated in, in sacrifices and worship as if the building was already built. Did you get that? They operated in worship and praise and faith, even though they might have had a little bit of, you know, looking around, there's no walls here, but God said, worship me, praise me, operate just like the temple was built and the walls were around you. That's faith. That's faith. And so you, some of you younger Christians, and even maybe some that have been in the faith for a while, you feel like, Lord, I'm not going anywhere. I'm spinning my wheels spiritually. Why am I not seeing this? Why am I not experiencing this? And God is saying to you, live and operate like it's already built because I can tell you if the Lord took you today you accomplished everything that He purposed for you to accomplish in your life. You, some of you are in the middle stages of that temple being built in you. you, you some of you, I can tell you, 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 you have, a, you have a, 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 a great understanding of what I'm saying. There is this established life. There's an established foundation. There's established walls. There's established worship. Established sacrifices. Established prayers. You understand everything that I'm saying, but there's some newbies. There's some young people. They're like, you know what? I feel God. I know God. God, but it just seems like that nothing's happening in my life. Yes, it is. You're in foundation mode. God's building you. He's building you. I can tell you, I'll use Danny as an example. He has a prayer life. You know how I know? Because I've heard him pray. You learn to pray by praying. Got a prayer life. Kevin's got a prayer life. Gilbert's got a prayer life. People in this house have a prayer life. But it didn't start they didn't, they, they, they didn't just become that overnight. It's a season of prayer and spending time with God. You learn how to pray. You're being built in your prayer life. You're being built in your faith. Every one of them have went through things that challenged their faith, that, 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 that squared face in the uh, squared himself, the devil squared up with them in faith, you know, in their faith to come against their faith. He stood uh, against them as an adversary as he does us all. And they had to fight the good fight of faith and break through that. It wasn't easy, but we didn't become that. All of us that are established in God overnight. It's a season of years and years and years of praying and seeking God. That's why an older person in God, a seasoned person, things will come their way and they'll go, eh, we're just going to take it to prayer. And the young person's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I don't have the money for my car payment. What am I going to do, pastor? I got laid off. I'm like, ah. God's going to take care of you. How do you know that? Because I was there. Amen. I was there. I was there when I didn't have the money for my car payment. Amen. I was there when they shut my electricity off. What? Amen. I was there. I was there when I didn't have any money in my pocket. I didn't have any food in the cupboard. I was there when they threatened me on my job. You're the next one to be cut. I remember a a guy come up to me at Kirk Hill Rubber and he said, you know what? I never really cared for you. And I thought, ooh. He said, you're the next to be laid off. I just want you to know that. He made it very clear to me. And it wasn't two weeks later. I had a better job. I was making eight sixty four at Kirk Hill and $12 an hour at CFI. God said, if they lay you off, you'll get a raise. And I got a raise. I got a new job. Better working conditions, better hours, better pay. God takes care of his people. But you can't fret. You can't worry about it. So see, I know now. Things may come and, and the world may throw you lemonade, lemons and you make lemonade out of it. You just have to take with stride these things and trust God. So all of that being said, listen, God's building you young people. You're in foundation mode and they operated as if the temple were already built. God's teaching us unity. He's teaching us about an altar. He's teaching us about sacrifice of our lives. He's teaching you your uniqueness 
in him, because we all have a uniqueness in him, whenever he told him, offer the free will offerings, that is you and your personal relationship with God, your personal unique desire, your personal desire, desire for God and the way that you begin to cause it to manifest he's he's doing something powerful in you and you've got to know that he's establishing you and he's ministering to you he's developing you you're in development mode amen you're right where he wants you you're right where he wants you right now we have different seasons in life But God's building a foundation, and your foundation is very critical, and you cannot build on a faulty one. That's why God takes time, because the rains are going to come, and the floods are going to come. And what are you built on? The rock or the sand? Amen. The rock or the sand? There will be appointments to set the work in order. And that's exactly what he said. I'm moving along here real quick. Amen. We're nearing the airport. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In verse 8, listen. Verse 8, he said, On the second year of their coming unto the house of God at Jerusalem. Remember, the, the, the second year, the altars established. There's unity. There's sacrifice. There's offerings. They're, they're, they're working. God's working. And in that second year, they're coming into the house of God at Jerusalem in the second month. God began to speak to the leaders and the remnant of their brethren, the priests and the Levites, and all they that were come out of the captivity unto Jerusalem and appointed the Levites from 20 years old and upward to set forward the work of the house of the Lord. Did you hear that? Then stood Yeshua with his sons and his brethren, Cadmiel and his sons, the sons of Judah, together to set forward the workmen in the house of God, the sons of Hinnadad with their sons and their brethren, the Levites. I love this because young people, listen to me. God used 20-year-olds in the temple. He used 20-year-olds to set up the temple. He used young people, young and old. And God wants to use you, young people. He wants to use you. And you know what? I want you to be used very, very much. I want God to use you. I want God to raise up in this house drummers, bass players, pianists, guitar players, singers. But I want to share something with you. You have to come by way of this altar. You have to. You can't just come in here and say, I want on the platform. I'm going to tell you something. It, it, it's, it's a maturity process to get to that place because you, and God wants to use you. He's going to use you. But you, you have to come by way of this altar. And because you can't just get up there and just shoot from the hip or just whatever. No, you have to be plugged in. And God will use you, okay? But I know that it's a process, and I know that, that, that God wants that. I think even more than some of you even realize it, but God wants to use you. And there's people in here, young people, young people. God's hand is upon you, and he wants to use you. I can tell you Kyle wants a relief drummer. Cameron wants a relief bass player. And I'd like to have two or three guitar pickers to help me and Butch out. Amen. Because I can tell you, you see me up here going like this, that's because my hand's falling asleep. It ain't because I'm shouting. My hand fell asleep. I'm up here going like this, trying to slap it back into feeling so I can grab that pick because it's fell on the floor so many times. I want God to raise up people in this church, and that's why I've been praying. You know, so I want to say this to you. Do not be afraid to step out and come up to me and say, Pastor, this is what I want to do. This is what I feel like God wants me to do. I'm going to tell you, I want that. I want that. I want that. You know, start praying that way. Start seeking the face of God. Come by way of this altar. God wants you up there. He wants you working in this church, teaching, ushering. He wants you in the ministry and the, uh, to, to further the kingdom of God. That's what He wants. And, and young people, 
You know what I think is so awesome is that the 20-year-olds never saw the temple in its original glory. They were in captivity for 70 years. So all they ever knew was Babylonian bondage and captivity. But yet, there was something down deep within them. I don't know if their parents told them about the temple, but they came out of Babylon to Jerusalem. And old, older folks, listen to me. Yeah, God's going to talk to you too. When they began to praise and worship, the older folks wept, and the young people shouted and praised. You know why? Because the older folks were sitting back, and they were thinking, this temple ain't nothing like it was during Solomon's day. Well, you know what? I want to tell you something. It's not Solomon's day. It's a new day. It's a new season. It's a new time. That's why we have new worship songs. And you know what? For the longest time, I didn't want to budge on that. I love the older songs. But I've come to love the new songs. I sat unmoved for many years. And God's still blessed and he's still moved. But let me tell you something. God said to me, he said, every generation, I bring a fresh anointing for them. I don't skip a generation. I've always got a fresh anointing on my people. And the 20-somethings, Zerubbabel and Yeshua said, come. You Levites, come. God wants you working in this ministry. He wants you working in this ministry. You know, and I mean no disrespect when I say this, but you know, I always look on the Gaithers, you know, a lot of silver and gray hair. Somebody made a statement one time, and they said, you know what? You know why that seems to be, and you don't see a ton of young people? Because they don't want them to come in and take that spot, number one. But they got to realize something, that there's a generation that if the church doesn't embrace them, the world will surely embrace them. We have to bring them into the kingdom of God. We have to teach them. We have to, you understand? So I'm believing God that as we pour into this next generation, God's building them. He's building them. He's building these young people. Are you hearing me today? So I'm going to close, I promise you. So there's going to be appointments. God wants to use the young people. Yet it starts at an altar. It starts at desire. It starts at sacrifice of yourself. Because God needs you spiritual first. And God opens doors of opportunity for ministry. I remember when I first got saved. You know what? I'm not even going to share my experience. Share my dad's. My dad got saved. He wasn't even saved yet. He was just sitting in service. And his pastor had him come up and play a song. My dad played in a band, him and his brothers. And he asked him, he said, uh, Terry, would you mind come up and playing us a song for service? And my dad said, I only knew one song, and it was Take Up Thy Cross and Follow Me. He said, I learned it as a country singer, you know, playing and singing. And he said, I got to that second verse, and he said, the Spirit of God come upon me and begin to convict me. And he said, I just put that guitar down. And he said, I went over and I fell in that altar and I began to weep and cry out to God. And he said, your mom came down. Uncle Joe came down. Aunt Jodell came down. All those people came down to that altar. My uncle, my aunt, my mom, my dad were all down there in that altar praying, crying out to God that one service. God is interested in using people. And I'm going to tell you something. He wants to raise you up. And people have to have an opportunity there. And God will give them an opportunity. And it's a glorious thing. The last thing I want to say is that as they begin to establish the altar, establish the sacrifice, become in unity, as they begin to include everybody, bringing them into the ministry and using them, God was. They begin to shout and praise. They begin to worship God. They begin to beat on those symbols. 
they begin to blow those trumpets and God began to move. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. What is God interested in doing in building us? Get this in your spirit. Get this in your knower and your understanding. God wants you and I to be worshipers. 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 Worship is not just coming to church on Sunday and singing. Worship is getting up every day and people looking at you and going, man, there's something different about them. There's something unique about them. There's something glorious about them. The glory of God is upon their life. That is what God is after in you and me. Does our life bring Him glory? Does our life worship Him? You, all you have to do is ask Him on the job. What about this person? They'll tell you, man, if I've ever seen a Christian, I've seen one in Him. They are totally different than anybody I've ever met. That ought to be the testimony about you. They shouldn't say, well, you know, they say they're a Christian, but to cuss a little. And people don't judge. I'm going to tell you something. Why would anybody want what we have if we're no different than they are? Amen. Why? Well, they're a Christian, but you know, they're the biggest gossip in this place. They tell everybody everything. You know, they said they were a Christian, but don't ever do them wrong because I'm going to tell you something. Ooh, they'll slit your throat. <laughs> Amen. Come on now. They said they was a Christian, but when we went to the Christmas party, they were the first one at the bar to get their fix. Folks, you know I'm telling you the truth. Don't act like I'm not telling you the truth. You know, we say we're this. We got to live that. We have to live that. We must. Because what you're doing is you're besmirching God and the, and the glory of God and the, the standard of God. You know, you're sending a message, you know, that, that, that these things are okay and they're not okay. We need to be Christian. That's why you don't see anything different in people today. We must be and live such a life. We're building. God's building that foundation. He's building that. It's a glorious thing, and He wants us to be worshipers, and He wants glory, and we bring glory to Him through our lives as we live for God, as we live for God, as we live for God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I just love Him today. How about you? Worship team, come. Amen. Come. We've had altar call. We've sought the face of God. I believe we've met with God. You've heard the word of God. And now we're going to receive this offering this morning. I just ask you to be faithful in your giving.